We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part at work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Nick. Thank you so much for giving us more info, and I know that our audience at Search Engine Journal would love to hear more about how the search engine works at GoDaddy. So I came up with some questions, and uh, Charles and Mike, if you could just, um, you know, kind of help me answer those, and then we'll turn them into an interview. So uh, first, you know, Nick had mentioned that GoDaddy has over 500,000 searches done per day for domains, which is crazy, way more than I thought it would be. And then uh, over 70% of the users first search um, those domain names are taken. And so I wanted to kind of talk about that first. What um, went into developing your auto-suggest feature where you provide alternatives to domains that somebody's trying to search for and purchase? Yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll start by setting a bit of context of, of why we decided to build our, our own uh, recommendation engine. Um, if you rewind a couple of years ago, um, search was a much easier challenge uh, in the domains business. There was a handful of what we call top-level domains that were all used to, com, biz, net, org, you know, the, the folks that were, the, the, you know, the internet that we're used to. And uh, a couple of years, you know, starting a couple of years ago, a couple of things were happening. Um, one was that hundreds of new top-level domains, the extensions to the right of the dot, were about to be introduced into the global domain name system. And so with that, search was going to get a lot more complicated. Um, number two, from a GoDaddy standpoint, we were basically a domestic company uh, serving customers largely in the United States in English, and we were about to go global and start serving customers around the globe in different languages. And number three, with you know well over a hundred million dot coms taken globally, and you know today we sit here with nearly three hundred million uh, domain names taken uh, across the planet in all the dot different top level domains. Getting the exact name you wanted was getting harder and harder. Mm-hmm. And with that, we said, okay, as the world's largest seller of domain names, we have to make sure that we do a better job on behalf of our uh, customers who are typically tiny, tiny, little, small businesses just starting out on being able to get the perfect name so that they can get going on their online journey. Yeah, that makes sense. I know um, I actually started out with GoDaddy when I started my little marketing agency back in the day. And so... It, it has been really easy to use the search tool and then just your website as a whole. And so I know that, you know, speaking for myself as a small business owner, it helps a lot to have those suggestions. Um, something else Nick had mentioned to me is that the search engine is also built to identify, um, you know, specific words and phrases. So, for example, the example he used was uh, your search knows that it's toilet seats, not toilets eats. And so how did you guys, you know, build that into the search recommendations? Yeah, well, maybe I can kind of bridge, you know, those two questions together. uh, Because I think the one other important uh, point to make here is that this is not, you know, a traditional inverted index uh, type of search, you know, a la, you know, Google web search Mm -hmm. or Bing or that. 
um, that, I guess I should take that back slightly. There is one category where having an inverted index is useful, and that is in what's called the domain aftermarket. So these are basically domains people have purchased, and they are basically back up for sale, whether it be in an auction or for a fixed price. But that's a very small percentage of the aggregate, you know, purchase flow, you know, that we have, and, and basically what most, you know, the majority of kind of consumers you know, uh, are purchasing. It's an important part, but, uh, you know, a smaller piece. Um, yeah. But the majority of domains that are purchased are effectively new inventory. You know, if it's, you know, misskelseyjones.com or whatever, that is inventory that didn't exist until you bought it. So effectively, gotcha. we are coming up with these domain names on the fly. Um, and, you know, effectively, we looked at a lot of different ways that we could have you know, solve the problem. We could have created all possibilities, you know, 63, you know, uh, character strings in every possible top level domain name, you know, and, you know, then created an inverted index, you know, on top of that. I mean, there are lots of different ways that, you know, we could have done this, but we chose to use cheap compute, you know, instead. So we're basically determining all this, you know, on the fly. Now, how we come up with, you know, toilet seat, you know, and toilet eat, uh, you know, is uh, basically some of the rules um, that we have, you know, put in place. And those come from, you know, effectively it's all machine learning. Um, some of it also comes from things such as dictionaries, but a lot of it, uh, you know, we look at the user um, you know, behavior and, and basically are looking for things that signals that they are giving us as to what's more valuable. Um, and there are a lot of different examples of things like that. I mean, the kind of, uh, you know, the toilet seat is one example. I, I think, um, you know, just to kind of highlight a couple of others, one is that we're also getting concatenated strings, you know, sent to us, you know, by users. So it could be, you know, toiletseat.com. And, you, you know, you don't know if it's toilet seat or toilet seat. So you've got to basically um, tokenize that, split it apart, uh, and, and then, you know, come up with alternatives based on that and, and we, you know, call that whole, you know, experience name spinning or suggestion. Um, you know, another example, uh, you know, of that is, uh, you know, language detection. Another, you know, example of that would be, uh, you know, identifying numerals and, you know, kind of incrementing on those. Uh, so there are lots of things that we're doing basically on the fly. Uh, based on the string that you've provided us. Yeah, and that's just amazing to me that, you know, it's kind of like you said on the fly and the mis machine learning is just kind of learning as it goes. Did you put in um, specific, like, rules or terms when you first started building it? Like, the first example I have in mind um, that I thought of was curse words. I mean, what's your policy on that or, you know, slang terms or acronyms, are those things that the machine kind of learns on the fly as well? Or do you have engineers or um, even do you guys do it yourselves, add in those types of words as they're continuing to be developed as a part of our culture? Um, so, I, I mean, there are block lists, you know, black lists, um, and uh, but but I'd say even more important than that are the relative priorities of other terms. So there are terms, um, you know, that are simple dictionary, uh, you know, synonyms mm -hmm. that would not be appropriate. Uh, 
uh, they're archaic, uh, you know, for the name of a business or the name of a product, you know, which is typically what our users are coming to us for. So, you know, we spent quite a lot of time, you know, machine learning and other methods uh, to come up with appropriate, you know, term replacement, uh, you know, which is a little bit, you know, different than just the, the pure kind of blacklist. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and the one other thing I just layer on top of that is that, you know, we have this unique uh, data set, which is we have 15 years of uh, search history, right, from mm -hmm. folks coming to GoDaddy and going and finding their, their domain names. And with that, it gives us a lot of insight into uh, what people want and don't want. And so we can, you know, we've spent a lot of time mining that data to understand the patterns of how people go about and finding and finding a name, um, and that you know that largely guides us. And from our standpoint, that's you know it is its core, and you know it's something that you know we're lucky to have that you know as, as the largest retailer as a as a you know, proprietary data source. Yeah, I'm sure that's really helpful. Um, does that data also help you decide the order in which you display suggested? domains? I mean, do you do you figure out, okay, well, a larger percentage of people chose domains that had this word when they're searching for another word, so I'm going to display those domain suggestions with that word first. I mean, is that also part of it, choosing which domains are displayed in a specific order? Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, that's effectively what all of these rules, you know, machine learned rules are doing. I mean, they're effectively creating a rank, you know, for a potential suggestion. And, you know, we're basing that ranking on a very large number of factors, everything from, you know, price to, you know, language to, uh, you know, term frequency to, you know, popularity, you know, kind of et cetera. There's a lot that goes into the suggestions and and effectively, I mean, we're generating uh, you know tens of thousands of candidates you know for each and every search mm -hmm. um, that uh, you know you, you may type in. Um, some of those you know many of them aren't available uh, you know so we're you know filtering on that. Uh, but but then it's basically all about you know what we think will have most relevance for you and in different countries. Um, there are different uh, rank factors. Um, you know, some countries are more price sensitive, or you know, other countries, uh, you know, maybe you know, more sensitive um, to to other factors. So um, that's something that we're kind of constantly learning and constantly, you know, basically testing, you know, new approaches. Yeah, and that brings up a really good point. Um, I know you had touched on earlier that when you first started creating this uh, search engine, you were thinking about going global and how GoDaddy now reaches, you know, all corners of the world. How, whenever they're searching, like let's say, you know, I'm an English speaker and I'm on the English version of GoDaddy, but I have a Spanish-speaking client. So I type in a domain in Spanish from my U.S. Um, search uh, on GoDaddy does the search engine immediately recognize specific languages and then spit it out in that language, or how does that work? It, it does detect it, um, and we are adding languages. Um, so we have some, and, and we're adding more. 
does it depend on location or is it mainly just the language that the search was performed in? Um, we have a pretty good signal uh, in terms of the site you know that you came in on. Um, it's certainly not a hundred percent, but but that's you know there are actually about four different factors that go into uh, determining that, um, you know, including the language that it came in as. It, it's a, that is a little bit problematic on its own because uh, there are lots of, you know, say French terms in English and, mm -hmm. you know, English and German and, and whatnot. Um, but that is a signal, but it's a lesser weighted one that, than some of the stronger, you know, location-based ones. Yeah, and that's probably something that the machine could learn over time. You know, Spanglish terms or, like you said, French words that we use in English as well, right? Yep. That's cool. Um, you know, something else I wanted to ask you about um, going into kind of the ongoing expansion of, you know, making domains available to more people are the introduction of the GTLDs, which are for um, our audience, those are people that, or domains, sorry, that go beyond .com or .net, so, you know, .hotel or .place. How has that influenced uh, your search data and algorithm? Yes, this is Mike. Um, so, obviously, you know, our, if you back up and say, what's our job here? Our job is to try to put the best set of options, the most relevant set of options in front of a user, right, so that they can find the name that works best for them and get, you know, get going on their, their journey online, which typically starts with a domain name and then follows on with website and email and, and then from there. And so, you know, with, uh, with now much expanded inventory, hey, that's great. It allows us to provide more selection and choice uh, and availability to that end user. Again, typically a very small business who's just starting out. You're just starting out, it's 2016 now, and you know, 120 million dot-coms are taken. You come to GoDaddy, you type in you know, a, uh, a term with a dot-com, and odds are your first try, try is taken. We have to recover you know, from an e-commerce search standpoint. That's you know, a null search with a need for recovery, and we need to give you a good set of options. And with the new GTLDs, now we can take that, that term, which might not be available on .com, and provide a really good set of semantically meaningful options in other new GTLDs. So, you know, the availability and choice set just becomes a lot bigger, and that's great, and it's, you know, good for, for the end customer. Um, and it also allows uh, customers who have an existing uh, uh, domain and site who might not have the exact .com that they wanted because it wasn't available, you know, several years ago, to now get a new GTLD and you know potentially forward it or use it as an alternative uh, name that might again be, uh, you know, considered a you know a shorter or more memorable name than the one they originally came up with. So uh, we look at it as you know an avail an expansion of availability and choice that's only good for the end user. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve with everyone to learn that, okay, .hotel is the same as .com, and that's how I type it in. Um, but I think the availability of providing, like you said, more options to, you know, the small business owner that's looking to start a website is definitely beneficial because they're able to probably use a shorter domain that makes more sense versus having to type out something longer um, just because their other options weren't available. 
Right. And from our standpoint, you know, we're agnostic, right? We want to do whatever the end customer wants and whatever's in their best interest. And so, you know, what you'll typically find on a GoDaddy search result is a mix of a mix of our inventory, a mix of dot coms, because dot com still is far and away the you know the most preferred uh, name, at least in you know in the U.S. and much of the Western world. Um, and you know you'll see alternatives of kind of the you know the traditional top level domains of net and org. And then you'll see, you know, some options for new GTLDs. So at least we're exposing the customer to all the different options that they have. And what we then see in the search logs and, you know, how people actually interact with this is they might not have understood before that, oh, as an alternative to a .com, you know, if I'm running a bike store, .bike is available and you might find them migrate and then do a follow-on search for, you know, different .bike options. So there's a there's an amount of discovery that happens through the process here, and our, our goal is to facilitate that on behalf of the user. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of times when I've done searches on GoDaddy, I you guys have presented options that I hadn't even thought for thought of. So it's really helpful for someone that's kind of doing it on their own and doesn't have, you know, a fancy web development firm to help them come up with ideas. Um, Another thing that Nick had mentioned to me, which I think is really cool, is he said that now about 25% of users, so one in four, come up with a domain they like after looking at the suggestions from the search engine, and that's an increase. Um, It used to be one in five. Has a better search engine influenced GoDaddy's, you know, bottom line and the their customer retention and acquisition numbers? Yeah, inevitably, you know, better search, you know, is is good for both our customer and obviously good for us. Um, you know, what domains for us is typically our first introduction to that customer, right? It's usually the starting point for. Uh, for small businesses as they get going, and we're lucky to be kind of at the very moment of inception uh, as they're just thinking about getting started. You know, one of, in the modern world, one of the first things you do when you have an idea is you go and bang on a registrar's <laughs> search box, and often that's GoDaddy search box, and you try to name and, you know, capture the essence of that idea. So, you know, we're lucky to be very early on in that process and have that customer relationship really early in their life cycle, um, you know, often before they've even incorporated or done any other kind of creative act. Um, and with that, then, you know, being able to get people through that first hurdle, right, which, you know, in our world is measured by a better, you know, conversion of that first act, um, that's great, right? Now, that that allows us to have a customer relationship for that user to get started and then to, uh, to grow with them as they, you know, move beyond the domain to get a website, get email, and and then the services that you need as a small business to get started. And, you know, when you look at GoDaddy, you know, we're known for domains, but really we serve, you know, the entire small business customer lifecycle. As I mentioned, you know, a domain unto itself isn't, you know, particularly valuable unless you're planning on just reselling it. Um, you know, for the vast majority of our customers, you get a domain because you want to build something on it, right? You want to build a website, um, you want to have professional domain-based email um, and build an online presence. And so we offer those solutions to our customer. And then even then further downstream, once you've got that presence set up, uh, you need to go find customers. And so we have um, email marketing tools and, uh, you know, and listing tools uh, in a variety of ways where you can go out and get customers and run your back office and have productivity uh, uh, suite from Microsoft. Um, so there's 
a lot in our product suite that you know follows as a natural course of evolution once you've gotten the domain. So all that's a long way of saying that yep, domain search is really important for us to make sure that you know we're we're uh, getting customers through on that first hurdle. Yeah, I think you guys you guys do an awesome job of suggesting additional things that someone might need after they search. So not only do you offer, do you usually suggest, at least in my experience, hey, you should also buy .org or, you know, a a different version that's also available of this domain. Um, There's also deals, you know, on email plans, like you said, or website builders. Is that funnel that customers follow always the same? So, you know, once they buy a domain, we always pitch website builders. Or do you, does it change depending on the user's behavior? Like, let's say, would you show the same suggested products for someone who bought, you know, 200 domains versus someone who bought just one? Uh, no, as, as you kind of, you know, kind of mentioned, there's, there's different types of customers. And so what we try to do is target the experience uh, throughout kind of based on what we know about you and, and what your you know activity has been. So, you know, someone who's never been with us before comes in and buys a first domain, you know, more likely is a small business getting started. And, you know, after the domain, the next obvious things typically are, uh, yeah, email and, and website, right. And the natural progression of a, of a user's life cycle. Um, but for, you know, folks who are buying 200 domains, typically that's not the first time they're doing it. They are often doing it either because they're an investor uh, or because they might be what we call a web professional um, who are, you know, buying names on behalf of a client um, or they might be a marketing agency, again, which might have a client and, you know, need to have a portfolio of domain names. So there's a bunch of different, you know, kind of sub-segments that we serve and, you know, as best we can, what we try to do is understand enough about, you know, each user and what their need state is to be able to provide the right set of services. Yeah, that makes sense. And I I think that being as niche as possible, you know, during the customer's buying journey is probably going to increase conversions and overall sales as well. So I could see how offering different products would be helpful to, you know, depending on what the user is already buying. Yeah, getting them to the right products, right? The, the right thing in their need state, right? What's the right next thing that they, they need as they, you know, go through their, their life cycle? Yeah, exactly. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to kind of ask you about, and it might be a little, I don't know, higher level than what we've been talking about. Um, but, you know, a lot of our audience members, they some of them work for really huge companies and they're just in the marketing department and trying to figure out how to best segment their own search um, on their own sites. And so I wanted to ask you, um, and it might be a little different for GoDaddy, but when does a company decide that building a search engine from scratch is the right idea? So um, I've done this a few times now. Um, you know, both at Yahoo, you know, and at, at GoDaddy, you know, building custom, you know, search engines. And I would first say, if you can use something off the shelf, you know, do it. <laughs> Obviously, there's business constraints. I mean, it, you know, it does take, you know, relatively experienced, you know, folks, you know, in a, you know, information retrieval niche to kind of build this type of thing in the first place. 
But uh, there are a lot of very large e-commerce companies that are moving down the Lucene, you know, and its progeny, Elasticsearch and Solar and whatnot, uh, path. And, you know, they had built their own, you know, previously. So obviously if you can kind of get away with that and it works and meets your needs, um, it's open source, you can customize it, you can basically build, you know, all kinds of, you know, customizations into it. Um, and a number of, you know, media outlets have, you know, done that. Um, but, uh, you yeah, know, so that, that's the high level. Um, you know, I think in our case, as we kind of articulated up front, we've got a very unique and very different uh, search problem. The things we want to search, you know, don't exist, you know, as such. So, um, you know, it's a novel and different, you know, type of, of search, and it's something that we looked high and low, you know, for, and uh, it doesn't exist. Uh, you know, nobody had built something exactly like this uh, previously, at least, you know, to our knowledge. Um, so uh, there, you know, we had a unique technical challenge, you know, and a pretty big, you know, business, you know, import in, in, in terms of building something that satisfies our customer needs. And so I think the marriage of those two, you know, caused us to build our own. Yeah, so I think if you can use an, an external product, you should. But if, you, if you're looking for something that hasn't been created yet, then it might be best to create it because at the end of the day, it's all about user experience. Yep. So, okay, cool. Um, well, that's all the questions I had. Was there anything else you wanted to cover? I think maybe just to this is again just maybe a little more you know, context for the conversation too is kind of giving a, a broader sense of what's going on in the domain name business and kind of how it fits into our you know kind of end customer. Um, just you know when we look at the business we're in right now, you know domain the domain business is you know over you know, globally doing well, and what's driving a lot of that is. Uh, as you know, inevitably the rest of the world's population is coming online. Um, that the small businesses of the world are effectively following their end customers, you know, and, and increasingly realizing their need for an online presence. Um, and so, with that, we just see this kind of long secular trend of small businesses coming online, you know, starting with a domain, getting a site, getting a presence, and then having an ever-increasing set of needs as, you know, as effectively, you know, being online has even in the past several years gone from uh, just needing a domain and a website and an email to now, you know, having to be more sophisticated about social marketing and email marketing and, you know, finding customers wherever they may live around the web. Um, so it's a it's a great space to be in. It's a fun space to be in, um, and you know there's a lot of opportunity in it still. Um, when you look in the U.S., there's about roughly 30 million small businesses. Only approximately half of them today actually have their own website. Oh wow! So even in a, even in a market as mature as the United States, where we're 20 plus years past, you know the uh, the advent of the modern you know World Wide Web. Still, half of the small businesses in America don't really have that really professional online presence. So a lot of opportunity there. Then you look internationally, there's over 200 million small businesses globally, and, and a very small percentage of them have found their way online yet. But their customers are going there in mass, and they will follow. And so, you know, when you look at kind of where we're going with our business, obviously we're following that trend 
and we expect that you know internationally um, we will continue to see a lot of growth in the coming years. So just you know a lot to be excited about in in the domains business, but you know really what that reflects is a lot of excitement um, that we have for you know the global small business market. Yeah, it's so exciting that, you know, the online space, like you said, and marketing as a whole is continuing to evolve and like the tools like GoDaddy provides um, makes it easier and easier for people to get online and get their businesses online. And so that's always a good thing. Yep. That, I mean, that is our, that is our, <laughs> our mission, right? Our, you know, our, our, our mission is to, you know, help small businesses and that, uh, empower people easily start confidently grow and successfully run their ventures right that is that is our uh that is our vision and to to shift the global economy towards small business in in the process and so everything we do every day is you know on behalf of that mission awesome well uh charles and mike thanks so much for talking with me it's it's been really fascinating and i enjoyed learning more about um godaddy search great great thanks always fun to talk about yeah, um, Nick, I will get with you about the published date for the interview, and then I'll send it the link to you whenever it's done as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, and if you have any follow-up questions, be sure to let me know, okay. um, and we can help you with whatever you need. Okay, awesome. Well, again, thank you guys, and have a good rest of your week. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.